0: Well, good morning. Thank you for your welcome, Mike. Uh, It's great to be here. I've uh, worked for, well, Crisis Centre originally, now in Hope. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Uh, But I've been there since March. One of the joys of my job is that I get to go out and visit different churches and go and see how different churches uh, worship. And I can pretty much guarantee that I will run into people. You never know who you're going to meet, so I kind of run into people um, and meet people who 've got far more experience of crisis center than I have, uh, which is quite unsettling so um, <laughs> um, but it 's great to be here and it 's great uh, it 's great to be here in december December, a month that will bring resolution to a question that has been gripping the nation, a question uh, that has divided households up and down the country. Um, Husbands and wives, children and parents have been fighting, certainly in my house, um, perhaps in yours, about this question, which is when can we put the Christmas decorations up? (laughs) (laughs) And in my house, the answer is today, because it's the 1st of December. So it's great that we can talk about Christmas and great that we can start to grapple a little bit with the Christmas story again, a story of a vulnerable young woman who finds herself unexpectedly pregnant. A story of a woman who has nowhere to go, who has nowhere to stay. A story of migration, of people moving around, of people leaving their homes, not having a home, and travelling long distances. A story of a father who has to find a way to protect his wife and child from all that's going on. And a story of a family that has to flee... For safety, a story that is set in first century Palestine, Israel, but a story that actually plays out in Bristol too today. But it's a story of hope, a story uh, of people doing their bit, a story um, where strangers bring gifts and people give what they have, a little bit of shelter here, a little bit of food there. They bring gifts, sometimes slightly strange gifts, and um, but it's a story of where God uh, both interacts in the lives of individuals but also changes the course of history. Um, It's a story of hope and a story that plays out in Bristol every day as well. 35 years ago, uh, a group of Christians went out in the streets of Bristol where homelessness uh, was as big an issue probably as it is today and they started talking um, with, with homeless people who were sleeping in, hopefully they're awake when they were talking, but they were in doorways and they were um, they were talking to them and they started uh, finding out about them, asking them questions, finding out a little bit about their story, just talking with people. And there was uh, one guy that they were talking with and they started talking and asked him. And eventually, I'm not quite sure how, the question got onto... Um, onto Jesus and onto church and onto the Christmas story of hope. Um, and they asked him whether, whether he'd ever been to his local church uh, to go f- for help. And his response uh, was, I'm told, particularly un Christian. I won't repeat the exact words, but it finished with a question which is on our leaflet over there. What has the church ever done for someone like me? What has the church ever done for someone? like me and from that question, from that conversation that group of Christians went away and they prayed and prayed about what their church could do and what churches if they worked together could do and it was the start of that process that led to the formation of crisis centre ministries 35 years later the challenge of homelessness hasn't gone away. Last year, the official figure for how many people slept rough in Bristol uh, was 82. Uh, The actual figure is a lot higher. That 82 is a methodology that's the same in every part of the country, of people going out on one night in November and counting the homeless people they see. Now, you can probably work out the flaws in that methodology that you don't see those that are hidden, that you don't see those that are sleeping on friends' sofas, that you don't see those that are in derelict buildings. Uh, but it is at least gives a pattern that is mirrored across the country and gives an idea of scale um, and puts Bristol fifth in the country for homelessness in terms of all the cities. It's estimated that actually over a thousand people faced homelessness last year in Bristol the third highest number of homeless women in the country behind London and Manchester. Uh, And today, the average life expectancy uh, of a homeless man in this country is 44. For a woman, it's 43. And without the work of all the organizations actually in Bristol, um, but I'm talking about Crisis Centre Ministries and in Hope, without that partnership with churches, without Christians going out and making a difference, people turn to increasingly desperate measures part of my another part of my role I talk a lot uh, but part of my role is to go out and meet with different organizations uh, and back in september I went and visited a organization that was giving out food on college green down in the centre of bristol and I had a slightly awkward conversation with a homeless man slightly awkward for two reasons the first reason was that within about 30 seconds of meeting him, uh, he had declared that he loved me. (laughs) Now, there are five people in my life that say that. My mum and my dad, my wife, my two children. I was fairly sure that this guy wasn't one of them. (laughs) So being quite British, I kind of shuffled around and moved the conversation on subtly without really addressing it. and awkwardly moved on and moved on and talked a little bit about where he was sleeping that night, kind of the issues, the challenges that he faced, the people that he knew. And after a while, we kind of walked over together to where they were giving up food and he picked up a pot noodle um, and filled it with water and started eating it straight away. Now, you look like an audience that knows the joy of a pot noodle, <laughs> who knows that. You need to marinate the noodles. You need to let the water soak into the noodles and then all the flavours get infused with it and it comes out with some beautiful yeah. food. But he was eating it straight away. And the second awkward part of the conversation, I thought, well, maybe he doesn't know what a pot noodle does. Maybe I ought to just have a talk to him. So I talked to him a little bit and said, "Look, well, why are you eating it straight away? Why are you not letting the wonderful flavours infused Um, and he gave me the sort of look that my wife gives me when I've said something stupid (laughs) some of you will know what that looks like, feels like he gave me that sort of look and said you've not been homeless have you and I said no, no I haven't and he explained that if he eats the noodles when they were raw then he can get more food in he could eat more because it hadn't swollen up and that In the middle of the night, actually, the food made him feel full. The noodles would have swollen up and made him feel full to get him through the night. And I've no idea whether, biologically speaking, he's right. But it's kind of not the point. The point is that people in Bristol are so desperate that they're willing to eat a raw pot noodle to try and get through the night. And the difference that In Hope makes, the difference that churches make, the difference that all sorts of organisations make across Bristol. Is helping people to have that basic need met. And I think a legitimate response now to what is the church doing for someone like me? I think we're probably in a place where we could legitimately say we're feeding people. It's not the end, it's not the end of the journey, um, but it's a start. Uh, Today, someone like me has come to me in a much wider range of things. It still kind of captures the things that we see in the Christmas story the homelessness, the hunger, the refugees. But actually that phrase someone like me could mean anything. It could mean somebody suffering from addiction. It could be people who are isolated and lonely. People with mental health challenges. People who are running away from abuse. It could be offenders. It could be ex-offenders. It could be people who have lost hope and trust and love. And the starting point, when we work with the people that we see at Crisis Centre Ministries every day, has been that of acceptance. The Christmas story is full of people caring, people coming to Jesus as they are, whether they're shepherds, whether they're wise men, whoever they are, they come to Jesus as they are, and it's a story that we see repeated and repeated and repeated. Throughout the Gospels, people coming to Jesus who are lepers, who are tax collectors, who are despised by everybody. People come to Jesus, and in his parables, Jesus encourages people to meet, um, meet everybody on the edge, to leave the 99 safe sheep and go and find the one who's lost. He met with people where they are. So our starting point, our theology, if you like, is recognizing that we accept, we need to accept people as they come in. And people, that, that's not always easily done. People come through the doors with a wide range of behaviours. Sometimes they're aggressive. Sometimes they're lovely. Sometimes they're manipulative. Uh, they can push boundaries. Um, sometimes they do things we don't like. Sometimes they're intoxicated by substance. We'd rather they weren't. Sometimes they just come in and have a nap. However they come in, the starting point is to recognise that They are all, we are all, children of God. We're all uh, valued, we're all loved by God. And so accepting people as they are, recognising them as children of God, perhaps for the first time, perhaps for the first time ever, is our starting point. And that kind of underpins everything that we do, which then moves into two kind of streams, two types of work, And we often think of them as two different parts in the church. We think about social action and we think of evangelism. evangelism. But they're actually two sides of the same things. We want to make a practical difference to people's lives. We want to end poverty. We want to end hunger. We want to give people somewhere to go, somewhere to be, something to do. But we also want them to know Jesus. We also want them to know about God who loves them. And all of us probably fit somewhere on that scale where we find one of those two things more easy than others. And that's good, because we're the people of God and we've all got different skills. And actually, by working together, um, we bring those two things together. But people need both. I need both in my life. There's been all sorts of times where I've needed practical help, where I've needed people to get me through the day or the week. But equally, there's times where I've needed people to tell me about Jesus and to tell and remind me that uh, Jesus loves me all those things that Mike was talking about that the Alpha course does all those things about Jesus we all need that um, and so social action and evangelism works together and, and the, uh, this diagram shows a little bit about all the things that we do at, in hope and they kind of weave together there's that provision um, food showers somewhere to go Life skills, shelter, helping people find a roof for the night, or long-term housing—all those important practical things—but they're weaved together with kind of more, more spiritual things. Groups where people can pray or meet with other people, uh, the opportunity to worship, the opportunity to encounter Jesus. The practical things are important, of course they are. Without them, people aren't going to take our message seriously. How? Can we say that jesus loves a homeless person without showing them that they matter they will say what have you done for someone like me but without jesus without that longer term hope it's just a sticking plaster it's just a way of getting through the days uh, which is why one of the main reasons why we're in a position of change from uh, crisis center ministries to in hope we're changing our name it's been a two and a half year process of praying and thinking and reflecting and thinking about who we are and actually the message of hope is the one that we want to be able to talk about that message of that's the thing that I often hear people often say that's the last thing to go when you're sleeping on the streets that actually the coldness and the hunger of course it's important but actually the loss of hope is the bit that really gets to people and so our name kind of will change to reflect that. We will still meet people at that point of crisis. It is still a ministry. It is still the work of God, we believe, and hopefully the work of the church. Um, But it all kind of feeds together. Um, So uh, we offer hope. And we do this in four different ways. Some of you will know different parts of our organisation. The Wild Goose. Uh, I've seen some volunteers, some wonderful volunteers here today. The Wild Goose is our drop-in centre. It's open... Uh, four days a week, six evenings a week, the evenings are staffed entirely by volunteers, by churches coming and serving food um, the day gives the opportunity for shower for people, um, gives the opportunity for people to talk to pray, to um, get support with their benefits with their advice. Um, we have a kind of an open door policy. anybody come in we don 't ask people to prove their homelessness i 'm not sure how you do that anyway, so we serve roundabout. 500 meals every single day we have about 500 volunteers most of whom are christians most of whom are from churches Um, so you're starting to see the impact that the church has uh, through the wild goose there's a weekly um, group that now meets on a wednesday for people to come and worship and to pray and to uh, discuss faith together spring of hope is our women's night shelter there is only one emergency night shelter in Bristol that's just for women, um, and that's Spring of Hope. It's got space for 12 women to sleep. It's a place where they can just turn up um, and if there's a bed they can have it. Um, again all the things that kind of are important around that, the kind of the laundry, the um, somewhere safe to sleep. It's, it's a lovely, if you ever get the chance to go and have a look around, do. It's a beautiful house with rooms, sort of a big hall. It's actually got rooms where people sleep in groups of two or three. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing, really. Um, but there's daytime support that's developing as well, helping women to rebuild their lives. It's led entirely by females, by women, by women's staff and volunteers. I'm not allowed in. In fact, they quite rudely kick me out any time I try and sneak in um, to meet with people. I don't try and sneak in. That would be a bit weird. <laughs> um, but it's that safe, female-only space where they can explore faith together. Um, the third project is life recovery I've brought a banner with life recovery on it Um, in January uh, I think there's a life recovery understanding addiction and recovery course that's starting here I'll talk a little bit more about that later but it's about supporting um, people who have had their lives changed by homelessness they've experienced trauma they've experienced being desperate and actually they're trying to put their lives back together and that's quite tricky to do sometimes to get the confidence to go and meet with other people to build friendships. Um, it's not just about saying well here's a house off you go. it's about saying um, let's build community around you, let's build groups. let's give you the life skills and let's help you learn uh, how to manage yourself and give you confidence so that actually you can integrate back into into the world. So the life recovery program does that. Um, and the final project is the East Bristol Food Bank. I think you're supporting the North Bristol Food Bank. They do much the same thing. Um, R1 covers fishponds, eastern and down end. Um, the East Bristol Food Bank fed 5,103 people in those three areas last year. I imagine the North Bristol one has a similar scale. 2,001 of those were children. Um, so food banks do a massive job, and hopefully... Do a little bit that supports people and prevents them from getting to the homelessness point. Um, there are many different ways in which people can partner with In Hope. Um, in the broadest, I, I kind of think, in the broadest possible way, churches partner with uh, organisations with each other all the time. Actually, by looking after your own community, by looking out for the vulnerable in your workplace, in your street in your school. Um, The biggest reason, I think, one of the biggest reasons for people to become homeless is that breakdown of relationships. And I've lost track of the amount of times somebody's told me that they left because they fell out with their mum or they broke up with their partner. And actually, the communities that churches build around people help to, in that point of crisis, prevent it from escalating, prevent it from getting to, to homelessness. So In a broad sense, we're all kind of partners together, but there's practical things uh, that we can do, uh, that you can do to work within Hope. Uh, We're completely dependent on churches uh, for prayer, for volunteers, for finances. All those things kind of come together. We couldn't do anything without the amount of volunteers that we have. Um, We couldn't do the work that we're doing. God wouldn't be involved if it wasn't for the prayer that goes on. there is an Understanding Addiction and Recovery course starting here. January the 11th is the first one. I would strongly encourage, if you've got any interest in supporting people, to go to that. It's here. Um, so you don't need to go very far. Um, but it's a brilliant way to just find out about what the issues are. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at In Hope Bristol. Um, you can sign up for our uh, Coursely magazine. I was hoping to have a whole load to give every one of you one. Uh, Today, they didn't arrive on Friday, they're arriving on Monday. Uh, So, there's a whole load of forms here. So, if you want to sign up, just so that when you're praying, you know who you're praying for, you'll know what you're praying for, actually being informed is an important part of that. In this month's Streetwise, uh, there's a story about Jane. Uh, Jane is a a woman whose life was completely transformed from a spring of hope. It's a great story, it's 100% in her own words. And it's of a life that's transformed from addiction, from um, a life on the streets, from homelessness. And now she is part of a church. She has a house. She works for the NHS. It's a great story. I would love to tell you that all the people that we work with end with that story. I can't tell you that. Um, what I can tell you is that transformation exists in different lives and different ways um, every day. And uh, I'm going to finish... With a story about my first week. Um, those of you that remember the induction week or two in your job remember it's always about kind of finding out where the kettle is, where you're, where where you make lunch. Um, it's a story. It's a process of um, meeting people, um, and for me, and for us, it's about using, learning how to use the intercom system, using the buzzer, so that when people press the buzzer, um, you know that you need to go and answer the phone, and then you have to press the button and let somebody in. So on the first Monday, the first afternoon of my job, um, the buzzer went and you kind of, it's that awkward bit where you go, is somebody else going? And you kind of listen and then after a while you realise, no, they're probably aren't, I probably ought to go and they buzz again and you're like, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. So I picked it up and I said, hello. Um, and the response came at the other end, who's that? It's like, it's Steve, still slightly nervous, it's Steve. No, it's not. I know it's an induction week, but I'm fairly sure I've got that bit nailed. (coughs) No, it's not Steve. I've just seen him leave. Oh, Uh, OK. OK. I think you mean Steve, so I'm a new Steve. Oh, there's lots of change going on. And then he went quiet. So I kind of wandered down the stairs and opened the door to see what was going on. was confronted with this barrage uh, from this uh, woman who said, you're not going to put me in a home. I'm going to go to the papers. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I've got no idea what I've done. (laughs) Eventually, we settled her down and said, look, the goose is open tonight. Come back at 8 from here. Oh, I'll come back. I'll tell them. And off she went. And I went back upstairs to the office and said, I I think I need to report this. Something has happened. She seemed very cross. I'm not sure why she's cross. and they said, no, you've met so-and-so. She does that quite often. She talks and she shouts. And she, um, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. She's not getting at you. It's just her way of, it's how she is. And we kind of give her space and we accept her. And she comes in. Um, and every so often we have to ask her to leave because she gets a bit aggressive. But actually, um, well, she's welcome. And it's like, oh, okay, it's, it's not just me. Later that week, I went to a life recovery group the friday i went to a life recovery group um as part of the induction of going and seeing what was going on and she was there and you could kind of see as she as she noticed me she started pointing at me and going around and talking to all the people in the group and pointing at me and i was like okay um, this is her group i'm visiting i'm just gonna let it go and and We went kind of through the stage and and, and the life recovery group started. They had some time of of worship and then a little bit of reflection and how was your week? And then a time of prayer. And it was during the time of prayer that I looked up and saw this lady. And she wasn't muttering. She wasn't saying lots of things out loud. She was quiet and she was still. And she prayed out loud, a short but very calm very lucid prayer. And she wasn't saying the first thing that came into her head. And for that hour, for that time in that life recovery group, her life was transformed. She had that picture, and she had that moment where actually it was her and God. And in that calm, peaceful moment, she met with God. I long for the stories where everybody's lives are changed and people are no longer homeless, where um, wonderful things that happen i long for that but actually every day we have stories little stories where people's lives get a little bit of a glimpse of the the kingdom of god so thank you thank you for your support Um, i know it's appreciated amongst all the different projects within in hope Uh, so thank you for your support thank you for your prayers and thank you for your partnership as we work together and transform the lives of vulnerable people. I'm around afterwards. I'm not in any rush. The rugby's at 3, so I've got loads of time. Um come and have a chat afterwards.